a few thoughts on releasing judgment. I was standing in the hallway of my new school on a break during a professional development day for new teachers, and I listened to the nurse navigator as she relayed the news. You have cancer, and I know you're starting a new job and have limited time available, so I set up appointments with a surgeon and an oncologist for after school. I called my husband, and I knew there were others to call, but I needed to get back into the PD session. I returned to the classroom and went through the motions for the remainder of our day while in my mind asking, why me, why now? And then the self-judging took over. I compared myself to others and I continued to ask why this was happening. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I run half marathons, I eat nutritious foods, I lost 50 pounds in three years and try to maintain a healthy weight. I go for my annual checkups, I'm healthy, and I feel better than ever. Why me? Instead of trusting that it was all part of the plan for my life, I let fear rule, and I judged myself and my journey. It's easy to do, and difficult to stop. I've been thinking more lately about judgment and ways and reasons for releasing it. Releasing judgment is an ongoing process one in which I cycle in and out. When we judge ourselves, we bring more stress and suffering, thinking we're not doing enough, being enough, etc. We quote, should on ourselves, telling ourselves what we should or should not do. Judgment comes from fear, a fear that we are not worthy, but we are worthy. By surrendering ourselves to a higher power, we can find inner peace and freedom from judgment. How do we release judgment? One, we understand that we don't have all the answers. Two, we remain flexible and open-minded, accepting ourselves and others. Three, we change our language and avoid dwelling on our mistakes. Four, we practice compassion and remember that compassion and judgment cannot coexist. Five, we remember that we can't always believe what we think especially about our need to be right. Six, we value individuality and uniqueness. What happens when we forget to do these things? We can avoid dwelling on the negative or the fact that we've fallen off track. Instead, we can acknowledge it, accept it, and move forward, forgiving ourselves and releasing judgment. As you may know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. According to breastcancer.org, as of January 2020, there are more than 3.5 million women with a history of breast cancer in the U.S. This includes women currently being treated and women who have finished treatment. And you, listener, have just heard one of them on the prologue for today's Choose to Think episode. Meet Renee Boss, a self-described reader, writer, thinker, runner, and teacher as she shares her journey through the diagnosis and recovery stages of breast cancer, as well as the practical tools she used in order to cope, find health, and walk it all out with joy. She realized that although she could not control her breast cancer diagnosis, she could indeed control her response to it. 
Now, be sure to check out the show notes for Renee's blog site, Twitter, and Instagram links, and reach out to her and show her a little love or follow her. And if you know someone who's struggling with breast cancer, please share this episode link. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you please subscribe to the show, rate and review as well? This would really help me to spread the good news to others. Or if you're listening on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to my channel there so I'll know that you're there. Visit victoriadwalker.com, opt in so that we can stay connected. And finally, the themed merch for this episode is Today I Choose Joy. Be sure to check out this design as well as many others in the Choose to Think Merch and More store. Okay, now let's tune our ears to Renee's story and welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. This is Victoria Walker. Let's go. inviting me. I'm happy to share my story. I will say that I, um, my experience with breast cancer was probably different from a lot of other women who had um, a higher stage of cancer. I had early stage breast cancer that was caught um, in a routine mammogram and uh, thankfully um, my journey wasn't as as tough as others, I know that. But at the same time, it was um, it was difficult. Um, anytime I think you hear um, the diagnosis of cancer, it um, can um, stop you in your tracks and make you wonder um, what the plan is for your life. Um, so I think it's important for me to mention, because this is a major part of my story, I was starting a brand new job, um, returning to the classroom after having been away. And so I um, was in the new school building um, waiting for some results for the biopsy when I received the call. Um, Fortunately, the center, the breast cancer center I went to, had a nurse advocate who worked with patients um, pretty carefully, and she was the one who called me. So um, what was interesting is that I was trying to start this new job in the new school um, and make a good, solid impression um, professionally, which was really important to me. And then um, I received this news that um, I did have cancer, And so at the same time, I was starting the new job and trying to go to professional development and get my classroom ready. I was also um, going to see oncologists and surgeons and more um, the um, nurse advocate who was trying to tell me everything that was um, going to be happening to me. And, um, you know... I um, had a lot of support, and I think that that um, is a major part of what helped me through that difficult time, Um, from my family to um, my new assistant principal. She called me, and she said, I want you to remember um, that we didn't hire you just for this year. We hired you forever, so please don't worry about it. I mean, just uh, tremendous support, and then... um, the um, people at my church were also really supportive along the whole way from um, diagnosis um, through the treatment. I started teaching, um, and there was not 
uh, it was not going to be okay for me to wait for fall break to have surgery. I needed to have um, a more uh, a more immediate surgery. I did um, manage to wait until um, Labor Day weekend. Um, fortunately for me, I um, did not need a full mastectomy. Um, I um, had partial mastectomy or uh, lumpectomy, um, and um, they were able to remove the cancer cells, um, and um, they had the cancer had not spread to my lymph nodes, so I was very, very fortunate. Um, after I had a chance to heal from that surgery, um, and I went back to, I had basically Labor Day weekend, and then I went back to school on Monday. Um, it was just a, a pretty tough situation in terms of the way um, six days were available and not available, and um, so I, I was um, had surgery on a Wednesday, and I was back at school on a Monday. Um, and like I mentioned a minute ago, um, my um, principal was pretty amazing um, in terms of supporting me through all of that and really checking on me to make sure that I would be um, okay. Um, so. After I healed from the surgery, I um, it, I needed to have radiation. And um, the first time I met with the radiologist, I um, I told her there was no way. There's you know this, this isn't going to work for me. Is what I told her. Um, I was devastated. Um, I was praying a lot for wisdom and guidance and peace. I was praying for peace and for calm because the situation felt insurmountable because the way radiation was going to work for me was that I needed to have it Monday through Friday every day. And the, the clinic where I would have the radiation was only open from 8 until 2 every day, and that interrupted everything with my teaching, um, and I couldn't miss six weeks of school to have radiation every day for um, five days a week. And so um, I, again, reached out to that assistant principal who was um, an amazing woman, and she, um, she helped me arrange it so that I would um, basically leave school um, during a lunch slash planning period that were coincided and I drove from um, the city where I was teaching back to the city where my doctor was um, and my radiologist was. I drove back um, during that time, went to the clinic, had my radiation treatment, and then drove back to school to finish teaching. Um, and I guess, you know, I would say about that, um, that also felt insurmountable. But um, ultimately, it was not. I had so much support. Um, I had um, my daily, uh, I've been a, a long, uh, a journaler and a morning um, prayer and devotional um, 
meditation time person for years. And I continued that um, even when I was tired because I couldn't make it through my day if I didn't start my day that day. And so I um, continued making that daily drive um, and then driving back to school um, to finish teaching for the day um, and um, then on home. And then I guess I should definitely mention that um, running played a big part in my recovery in addition to um, my morning routine with um, meditation and prayer. Um, I um, had the support from my radiologist to run through the entire um, time that I was going through radiation treatment. And she warned me that I would be extremely fatigued, but if I could push through that fatigue and keep up my exercise routine, um, that it would pay off. And I would say it definitely did. Um, so in addition to my support from church and my support at school and my um, precious family, my husband and my two sons, and I also had the support of women in my running club who um, were checking out for me and supporting me um, in my journey to uh, stay healthy, um, as healthy as I could in the middle of um, the daily radiation treatment. And so fortunately for me, after um, about six weeks of radiation, um, I, you know, entered into more of the recovery from radiation time, which um, continues to linger um, after you've had radiation, that um, the fatigue and the, the side effects will linger for a little bit, but um, not long enough um, or not forever compared to the journey that some other women might have, um, especially if they have to have chemotherapy. And I um, did not have to have chemotherapy, and I was grateful for that um, little piece in the midst of everything else. You were stage one, and um, can you tell me also what year this was? Um, I, this was in, um, 2018. But there you were at a regular mammogram and, um, so you got the results from that or the, did the technician kind of say, hmm, at that time during that regular mammogram? Oh, yes. Good question. So, um, you know, routine mammogram, you go in, I had, um, mammograms, you know, a couple years prior uh, for a baseline, which was good um, because, um, you know, then they know what to be looking at. They, you know, know uh, what came before. So um, routine mammogram and then um, typically you go and you sit and you wait for the results. And in the, the previous two times I had done this, the results, you know, I would wait a few minutes and then everything would be fine. They were taking a long time to get the results to me. And I remember texting my husband saying, you know, this is taking longer than usual. I'm starting to feel worried. Um, and he was encouraging me, oh, you know, surely, you know, it's just going to be nothing. 
Um, and then they, um, they came and got me from the little waiting area. And they said, we actually want to do a little, like a few more um, pictures or images um, to have a better look. Um, and so I went right then and had um, additional images um, taken and um, something about those images made um, the radiologist um, feel like, okay, there is not, there's something that's not right here, so you need a biopsy. Um, and so that was, uh, that did happen before the, um, before I got that call for the results, I went for a biopsy, um, which in and of itself was, you know, no fun um, when you're having a little piece of your body cut, cut out of you. Um, you know, <laughs> thankfully there was um, the nurse advocate who was there with me and um, you know, talking me through the whole thing. Um, but then you begin the waiting. It took um, probably a couple days for the results. I think maybe, oh, it took over a weekend to actually, I had that biopsy on a Friday and um, I had to wait through the weekend until the next Monday for the results. So um, that, that was some waiting time that was not fun. Oh, I'm sure. And let me ask you this question. Do you also, or prior to that, did you do regular self-examinations? Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I never, I never felt anything um, different in terms of, like, I didn't feel a lump. You really couldn't feel it. Um, it you could only see it on the mammogram. But later, actually, um, I, a symptom that was strange was that I was extremely um, itchy. And, um, in that area of my body, and I had, I didn't know that that was part of it, and I don't even know if a doctor would say that it's part of it, but since then, I've met a lot of women um, who have um, had breast cancer, and I'm in an online support group where we encourage one another and share, um, share experiences, and there um, have been women there who have said the same thing. So um, now that I know that, I think, okay, if, if I ever have, um, you know, extreme itching, I may um, try to get things checked out as well. But I, I don't know that anything could have been seen any earlier than it was because, you know, it was a routine mammogram. You can only get them once a year. Um, even now, I can still only get it once a year. Um, so every time I go now, um, I've been twice since, um, since I had my surgery, um, and both times it's very nerve wracking, um, waiting, um, but fortunately those two times, the two times after have been, um, have been clear. Mm. You know, everything that you've described sounds extremely exhausting to me. And a part of my ministry, even with the podcast, is 
processing our feelings, our emotions, and our thoughts. And sometimes, you know, if you're like I am, it's a it's a bit of a battle. I have to really work hard personally to kind of, you know, take those thoughts captive and then submit them to the authority of God and say, okay, wait a minute, this is a thought that I'm having, which is producing this emotion and, and maybe it's causing me to behave in a certain way even, or just bringing me down. So I have to, you know, say, nope, I'm not going to go there. This is what I, I want to think about instead. This is how I'm going to pivot. And I wonder, Renee, when you, I know you were at the school at this new job, and thankfully you had such a wonderful um, support system in place and your, the, the principal was so kind-hearted and empathetic and um, just sounds like a wonderful individual who was off the, you know, right off at the very beginning, your advocate and fighting on your behalf, so to speak. But what can you... Um, I mean, I, I just, I think, okay, if that were, if I were in your shoes, I, it would be hard for me probably to just not feel anxious, not feel stressed, not feel depressed. I think all of those are going to be rather natural and normal responses to this kind of news, but and if, you know, as well as you might remember, did you have those kinds of thoughts and feelings? Was there any, re, you know, recurring thought even, or any emotion that you struggled with that you really had to kind of come to, come to grips with? And were you intentional about that? Now, before we hear Renee's answer to that question, let's take a quick sponsor break. the full range of um, worry and um, definitely exhaustion. Um, but so I don't know how much um, you want to know about this part of my life, but um, a couple years before I um, was diagnosed, I um, had another major life incident um, that I won't go into here, but um, that life incident um, prompted me to um, return to church after um, being away um, for um, about half a decade, actually. And um, I am grateful that I returned to God, so to speak, um, and to the church and to a life of prayer and gratitude before I had my cancer diagnosis um, because um, I had um, a renewed sense of a renewed sense of joy and an understanding that because of um, suffering and hardships that I had endured in my life, I could know um, a deeper joy and that um, that, that was an important piece to me. And honestly, um, I'm, I'm kind of um, known in the last few years as someone who will, you know, not just there's a hashtag, but hashtag choose joy is like my thing. And 
I've been able to choose joy um, because of that um, previous life incident that um, really took me to the bottom of everything. And um, in coming out of that and making a conscious choice to know that I could not get through life without um, without God, I, I could not um, go on the way that I was living. Um, and so, and I don't mean to make that sound like, um, I don't know what I mean to make that sound like, but what I mean by the way I was living is that I was choosing uh, work, I was choosing relationships and anything over um, God, and I was going through a period of questioning where everything that I grew up with and the deep um, personal um, relationship that I um, had when I was young, I was rejecting um, for the sake of professional pursuits, and um, that ruined everything for me, really, for a, a time, and um, and I, I needed I needed to return, and I I was pretty sad that um, that I had gotten so far off track, and then I was really sad that um, in some formidable years of the lives of my son is when I was off track, um, and my you know it ended up being my older son who uh, one day said to me, "Hey, can we go to church again?" Um, and, you know, I took, I took him to church and, and even when I was there, I was still kind of trying to resist it. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, what is this all about? I, I'm not, this isn't part of my life anymore. Um, but then, um, the quiet calming, um, hymns and the meditation and prayer and, just being in the environment reminded me, oh, I, you know, I, I, I do need this. And I do um, remember what it was like to want this, um, even though I had a few years where I didn't. So that's a little bit of a backstory to tell you that when I was going through breast cancer, I had just recently, um, uh, two years prior to that, returned to um, God, basically, and church, and an understanding that I needed somebody bigger than me, um, who was all-powerful, to help me cope with all of life. Um, and then, you know, um, part of that for me um, was that um, I did a lot of work um, on mindset and um, spent Every read a lot of books, did a lot of personal work on mindset, and that became um, kind of a reminder of how I really wanted to live my life, even though I had um, taken a break from remembering how I wanted to live my life. And so because I regained that memory of wanting to live my life um, in, a, in a place of light and joy, um, that helped me then um, when things were difficult during breast cancer. It helped me to remember that, you know, there was suffering and there was hardship, but um, there was a power greater 
than me who was in control of everything. And remembering that honestly helped me um, cope with the day-to-day because, um, you know, I it was a, a complete surrender. I, I couldn't control what was happening, and all I could do was control the, the way that I responded to what was happening. And um, I think that that made my experience... Um, it made my experience one where I was really, I was just thriving rather than just surviving. Now, don't get me wrong, there were days where it, I really was just surviving, just trying to make it through the day. But even when I was just trying to make it through the day, my attitude um, seemed to play a really big part in um, thriving more than just surviving. Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, the backdrop there and and that story. And I'm just marveling at how, you know, none of the diagnosis, any diagnosis that anyone may get never catches God by surprise. And some even go so far as to say, well, it's just a divine interruption in your life. And, you know, it might be easy for me to say that, oh, that's just a divine interruption. But when you're on the other side of being the one divinely interrupted, it's a little bit harder to to take in. But it sounds like God was just really preparing your heart um, those years before, like you, like you so... Um, you know, graciously shared with us and setting some foundation there for you to be able to really cope under the shelter of his wings, so to speak, when this diagnosis with of breast cancer would come those years later. So that's a, that's just a very sweet story to, to add to all of this. And I appreciate your transparency in sharing that. And I'm wondering what you might how you might encourage that individual who's been through a process, maybe it's not exactly like yours, but they're on the other side of, and they're in the, you know, I guess the recovery stage of that and just moving on with their life. But they have this, this thought, persistent thought that, gosh, it might, what if it returns? How, how, how would you counsel someone or, you know, what would you say to someone who has that kind of fear? And I don't know if you have that fear, but how do you handle it if you if you do? Sure. Well, I would I would never um, even a- attempt to um, say that I understand how someone who had a harsher diagnosis um, would feel. Um, what I do know, though, is that in the years. Uh, when I wasn't maybe um, living the way I prefer to live now, um, I was consumed by fear. And um, I think that anybody who's had a diagnosis can can continue to wonder and have that fear. And I'm, I would say, of course, that crosses my mind. Um, but on a bigger picture, I have, um, I work daily. I spend time daily in prayer um, and working to have faith and love um, be stronger than fear. Um, And, you know, I can't do that myself, obviously, um, because that is um, something that's going to require 
um, me to um, put my trust and hope in God and um, understand that um, he is he really is in control and that living my life in fear is not the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life with faith and love and hope and joy. And, um, you know, I think it really does come down to um, an individual attitude and pers- uh, mindset about your day-to-day living. And it's not saying... I'm never going to be fearful. It's saying, okay, I'm feeling fearful right now. What can I do? What tools do I have to help help myself not feel fearful? And I think it's not avoiding fear because fear is just a natural part of being human. I think recognizing it, you know, stating that fear is there, but then um, rising above that and choosing to um, remember your faith and your joy and your love over um, fear um, is the way that I I think that you can um, get through life when things, there's a lot of unknown. I, I had a, um, a friend, an, a teacher friend, who also was going through breast cancer um, at the same time I was. Uh, she had a much harsher diagnosis than I did, and um, I know that um, even as we continue to keep up with one another, um, we um, I, I've noticed that it's the day-to-day living that she that I see um, her exuberate um, her day-to-day choices and. Um, as one way of also coping with not living in fear. But is there anything else, practically speaking, that you do to help yourself not go in the direction of fear? You recognize it, you acknowledge your humanness, but you don't want to, you know, ruminate and stay stuck there. So what do you do, practically speaking, to pivot out of that? Uh, so practically speaking, my journaling is a huge component. Um, I can journal my way through a lot of really hard feelings. Um, I do journal every morning, but even if I'm having a, a tough time, I will sometimes journal. I don't always have my journal with me, obviously. I don't carry it with me. It has too much personal stuff, and I wouldn't want anybody to right. find it. That's right. But, um, <laughs> But um, other tools for me, I, I rely pretty heavily on mantras um, or, you know, short prayers. I, I, I like, I call them mantras. I really, I like it. They've been useful to me. But um, those um, mantras um, and short, short prayers really um, have been a, a, an important tool for me in um moving beyond fear when I felt um, fear. And I think so much about, um, you know, the, the, the thoughts we have um, are formed by, or our beliefs are formed by the thoughts we have. And so if I continue to think these mantras that help me, then they help me through the fear. And then I don't have to believe the fear is um, the all-powerful. I can believe that, you know, um, it's something that is better than that. Um, and so 
I would say journals and mantras. Um, and then, honestly, for me, um, exercise is a huge component. It is a huge tool. And sometimes when I'm really struggling, I'll go out for a run or even a walk, um, and I can have an entire um, adjustment in, um, in my mindset. Can you tell us what some of your mantras actually are or have been? Do you re- recall any off the bat? Sure. I mean, um, one of one of my mantras is choose joy. Um, another is love over fear. Um, uh, love conquers all. Um, and with love, just remembering like the the bigger idea of love and that. Um, you know, we, we have that love um, because we were first loved by God, and we can um, we can rely on that. Um, so choose joy, um, love over fear. Those are definitely um, two of my um, studies. Um, another important one for me has been um, I am enough and I have enough. Um, the idea that... Um, kind of an, an abundance mindset, not in the term of wealth, but in the fact that I have everything I need um, and just um, choosing to remember that I am enough because of um, because of the grace of God, um, I am enough. And so um, I, would, I would say those are some of my go-tos. There are probably some others, but they're not coming to my mind right off. I'm okay. Oh, those are just beautiful. I'm also wondering, Renee, the the impact of music. Is that another tool in your tool belt? Um, music is really important to me. Um, music is kind of what um, first connected me to. Um, oh gosh, no, music has been part of my part of my life, my whole life, and also, I would say it's one of the things that first connected. Um, me and my husband, um, in terms of, um, oh, like our first date was going to see a Christian rock band called Vigilantes of Love down in Athens, Georgia. Um, and music has continued to be an important part of my life. Um, and a lot, a pretty wide assortment of music. Um, I wouldn't say that I just listen to music if I'm having a hard time, though. Um, so I don't know how much. I mean, I, I definitely think it can be a tool. I don't know that I use it as much as I could. Yeah, I was just curious because it's a huge tool for me. And, you know, like you yeah. said, exercising can help provide that pivot point for you or you notice after you know afterwards that you your your attitude everything's beginning to shift a little bit in perhaps a more healthy direction and and you know exercise has so many other wonderful benefits as well and by the way I am astounded that you continue to run while you were having radiation that is like okay mind totally blown but for music it's sometimes if I'm just if I'm noticing the dip or if I feel like I'm really battling 
this spiritual warfare, so to speak, as the battlefield, you know, a, a lot of what we battle is right there in our minds. I noticed that I just need to put on some praise and worship music. And those words kind of just roll over me and help me to really shift my, my attitudes, my mindsets, and my emotion ends up better on the other side. And it, anyway, so I was kind of just curious about the impact of, of music on your, on your journey as well. I had some pretty thorough support through um, the Lexington Clinic, um, breast, the Women's Breast Cancer Center, mm-hmm. and they, uh, the nurse advocate there. In fact, um, the nurse advocate um, at the Breast Cancer Center, um, she um, routinely arranged uh, breast cancer walks, uh, so like with the Susan G. Komen Foundation. And so I did keep running during my radiation. And in fact, one of the races I ran was a Susan G. Komen uh, race. And I was on the team with the Lexington Clinic and the nurse advocate who supported me through my early diagnosis and surgery. Mm. So it was a pretty sweet moment to, like, you know, take those pictures and cross that finish line and have her hand me my surviving medal. Um, that almost makes me tear up even remembering that. Um, like my, my sister and her, her daughter, my niece, came from North Carolina to do that event with me and my husband and son did it and a, a good friend from church. Um, so, uh, you know, who would know that you're going to have that kind of connection with your with the, the medical center, but the, the woman, um, the nurse advocate there was so phenomenal and um, really helped me stay connected to what was um, important to me and then getting to run on her team um, for that. Susan G. Kelman rates was pretty, pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. I got a little, I could feel that emotion in, in that too. I could just picture what that must have felt like. That was such a good word, word picture that just conjured up in my mind as well. So, well, I, I couldn't thank you enough for sharing your heart, Renee, and sharing so much of your story and agreeing to, to, put this out there to encourage even even one person who may not have a breast cancer diagnosis, but may have other kind of issues that they're dealing with, health issues, or even, you know, spiritual issues, life hardships, anxiety, isolation, so many different things that, that we all at some point probably have to wrestle around with. And I'm hoping that that listener who may feel a little bit on the, you know, like, gosh, life is really tough for me right now, who hears this message in your story will say, you know, maybe, maybe I can do this too. God, maybe God will help me too, help me through this. And so thank you so much for, for sharing and for taking time out of your busy day to, to drop in and to encourage others with your story. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking with you. 
I'd like to include one final thought from an email exchange with Renee. She wrote, quote, We really don't know how much time we have on this earth, and while my cancer wasn't as advanced or as invasive as the cancer others experience, it was still frightening at the time to hear that original cancer diagnosis and to visit the oncologist and radiologist. Having breast cancer really did teach me to live life to the fullest and to not put off doing things that are important to me and to not take anything for granted, end quote. And coming back full circle to her words from the prologue, as she describes how we can be really hard on ourselves, judging ourselves, judging the plight that we've been given in life, she suggests, quote, by surrendering ourselves to a higher power, we can find inner peace and freedom from judgment. Now, before we pray, check out what Renee has to say about the Running Wife Club. Well, I can't let the opportunity to mention my running club pass me by. The Running Wife Club, they supported me through my cancer journey. They supported me through my first marathon. This is a group of women who are everyday runners and walkers with goals and families and jobs and people who are ready to give back to the community as part of the running group. We support each other daily in a Facebook group that is private for members. We hold each other accountable. We encourage and support one another in our running and walking journeys. And we get training plans from Ashley, the running wife, and recipes and all the support you need. So if you were encouraged by my journey and you want a little support and accountability, I would encourage you to check out my running club, The Running Wife. Father, we are so grateful that you are our refuge and our strength when our journeys here on this earth are filled with struggles, hardships, and what seem to be insurmountable obstacles before us. We thank you that we are never alone in our battles. Your word teaches us that it is your joy that is our strength. And for that battle-weary listener, I pray, Lord, that you would download directly into their hearts and minds your joy and your peace today. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Son who defeated death and serves as a bittersweet reminder that we too are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us just that much. And nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning in, and until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.